Well it's not far down to Cardassia Prime at least it isn't for Cisco. Oh yeah, and if the Tetrian Particles is right he can sail away and find fireworks. Oh yeah, the son writes Che Guevara fiction and tells him he must get some strange. Believe me. Sailing takes Cisco away to where he always thought he could be. I'm ready to fucking, I'm ready to fucking explore, man. Alright, let's explore. Alright, hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going and have been going. And will be going. And will be going. <laughs> and are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest show of the 90s before the Sopranos came on and blew everybody away. <laughs> oh, it's better than the Sopranos and we all know it. That's true. I, hey, you said it and I agree with it. <laughs> and if you disagree, let us know. Anyways, we're talking about an episode today called Explorers. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yes, this episode uh, <laughs> is called Explorers. It is episode 22 of season 3. It originally aired on May 8th, 1995. The IMDb description is as follows. Cisco rebuilds an ancient Bajoran space vessel from the blueprints, and he and Jake take the ship on a trip, attempting to prove that the ancient Bajorans went beyond their solar system without warp drive. Um, for some reason, that was all one sentence. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know who writes the IMDb descriptions. William Faulkner. Uh, yes. But you guys need to get on the stick and, and fix that. Okay, this episode, a little bit bit of background information. For the last, I don't know, season or so, James has had, he, he has mentioned <laughs> this episode a few times Yes, uh, in our podcast because in his mind, this was a favorable episode. I want to know right off the bat, James, how did this hold up to the picture you had of it in your mind? I absolutely love this episode. <laughs> okay. I still do. This still this 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 lands for me. Does it not for you guys? Wade, go first. Oh, I actually do really in hindsight I remember this episode as like, yeah, whatever. This episode was fine. It was good. But you know what? This watch, I I did. I really like this episode. A whole lot. Really good stuff. It's just like, it's it's a fun episode done right, the way I see it. We've had these goofy stuff that just sucked mm. and that were trying to be fun and just like shat the bed <laughs> real bad. But this was, it's an adventure story like they've said they wanted to do. I mean, there's a lot of firsts in this one. Anyways, we'll talk more about it. But Hugh, just just let me know how you think about yeah, it. Yeah, get, get in All on right. this, Hugh. Um, I hated half this episode, and you boys could probably guess which half I hated. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, it's not really half. I hated a third of this episode. You're, I bet you're. You, well, you hated the B story. I hated the B story was so bad to me; it felt like half the episode. Oh, I love the B story. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm here with knives out for the fucking B story. <laughs> okay, okay, because I don't actually hate the, the, B, the story, B story, and I and I would. The B story is everything I hate about the character of Bashir right off the bat it's Bashir in a John Hughes movie is the B story <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare to me that sounds That's like so <laughs> okay 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 so let's give me your impression of the A story though because I'm obviously talking about the A story when I talk about how much I love stuff no it's it's basically everything that's right with television <laughs> okay yeah, I mean it's like not just All D right. space not right. it, it, I mean if you take out the Bashir O'Brien stuff that makes me want to scratch my eyeballs out <laughs> I think yes. that this is a, this is a great episode of TV I think that we haven't seen the real beauty and trick of this episode is that we haven't seen Jake for so long and when they do break, <laughs> break him back out it's like they We don't know who he is. <laughs> well, we haven't seen him since Lisa Turtle, right? Right. But here's the thing mm -hmm. we've had okay let's go let's backtrack a little bit. Jake is a side character who is probably one of the better developed characters in the entire show because at the beginning he's got a clear arc probably because he's a kid yeah and you know he's he's going to show some growth and because the writers focus on him because developing him is development of Cisco right right so but yeah it's he is so much as a character he's better defined than some of the the regular characters that we have on the show <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. you're not you're not wrong and he's actually I mean you could say in season one. Jake was a 
sort of a kid who might have fallen into a bad crowd, but he's a good natured kid and he just needed to focus in his energy. Mm-hmm. Season two, he's got a girlfriend. He's Opie in season one. He's not in anything. He's he's kind of throwaway in season one. He's just Opie and having fun Tom Sawyer adventures. Sure. But. Yeah, he is. But yeah, but I mean, that's what he's, but still, you know, you've got to deal with him falling under the wrong influence of Nog. Sure. And sure, you've sure. got to deal with him going to school. And living like that frontier life, you know, in the one room school room. Yeah, right, right, and right. So, yeah, so there was that. That's what he was about in that first season. The second season, he was growing up and he had his first love. And there was a whole arc with that. I mean, he fell in love. He fell out of love. He got his heart broken. And here we are in the third season and we've got him, you know, growing into an adult with like a very adult ambitions. Was he dating a stripper in season two or was that season three? I think it's like both. Like I think it was a carryover. Was, okay. Yeah, it may have been a okay, carryover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a carryover. But, but. <laughs> He's a kid just learning how to have a girlfriend that's they, a stripper. How to date strippers. <laughs> right. and So but wait, we, I yeah. think that their development of Jake is one of the show's strengths overall. And the Cisco and Jake stuff is is just great stuff. I can't speak highly enough of it in this episode. Yeah. 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 The characters that they've designated for growth and that they have to grow because they start off as children or kids. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, they're kind of, we've already talked about Nog a little bit. Those are some of the best arcs because they're forced to figure out who these people, who these kids turn out to be, who do, who do they grow into as adults? But let's not forget that that's no easy feat. Just because they're kids. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really screwed the pooch with Wesley, so it's not <laughs> right. And I think that that's one of the things is that I mean I think that that's probably driven them early on is that Wesley was supposed to be like very quickly and cheaply written as the chosen one. Yeah, you know, and that was very and that sort of collapsed on them, and the writers didn't want to make the same mistake, so they make Jake just like a normal kid. Not the chosen one. Right. Right. And then, then like, and then you give him a friend, and then, like, at some point, I think it was Ronald D. Moore that came by and had the idea, like, well, let's take the one least likely. Let's take Rom and make him the closest to be of Starfleet metal. Nog. You know, Nog, yeah. yeah, yeah well, his dad, Rom's got some metal to him, too. But Yeah, whatever. but it's we'll not. He's him. not in joining Federation or anything. No, right. But, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was an interesting thing is that they got sort of forced into doing an inversion story with Nog. And that's great. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, I I absolutely think this out. This is the episode that I've been wanting because this is the episode that defines a captain. And there's always been these kind of episodes before uh, where you, you take a deep dive into a character's personal interest. But it's always seemed like, I don't know, and maybe this is just me, but I'm more like I'm the kind of guy who's given the time and the money. I would try and build some sort of dumb, quixotic, like ancient ship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we're all the. I think we're all talking on a dumb, quixotic ancient ship right now. <laughs> yes. I think the three of us have already built that. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. And so, I mean, I I'm drawn to people who do that kind of shit, right? And because of some sort of connection to history, because of some sort of trying to find some sort of truth in the past that doesn't exist in modernity and i think that giving that to him is really interesting to me it is i guess we should just historically context that it is kontiki which i don't know if you're familiar with the story of kontiki but it's a norwegian sailor wanted to prove that the peruvians could have made it to polynesia and settled polynesia okay and so that was the same people group and in 1947 he built a ancient raft and tried to sail it and he did it and like he did it with u.s government help and they made a documentary about it and it was a big deal but he he did it he got to all the way to polynesia yeah yeah (laughs) this isn't implying that the cardassians are ancient bajorans though is it (laughs) no 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 but it's taking the story of this quixotic this man trying to prove this yeah 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 this minor historical point and reeling to risk his life to do it even though, I mean, he's not really risk. You have the, the call to, to danger towards the end. Right, right. Well, and it's a great excuse to break out Ducat, too. I really liked that aspect of it. I mean, the Ducat stuff was oh, delicious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even though they're obviously not in the same room <laughs> and their scenes are being cut together and editing, yeah. they still manage to make that seem good. Like they actually have chemistry. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this, I feel like this is Avery Brooks finding his, I mean, I think that even maybe the goatee. Yeah, there's, there's so many firsts in this episode. 
episode. They're like, this is a yeah, this I, is a one-off kind of fun. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a load-bearing episode in no. the way that it's built, except it kind of is because it introduces all these things as just like inconsequential that mm-hmm. that come up and are almost integral to where the series goes, like big characters yeah. that may may or may not show up that are mentioned even and just stuff that's like wait oh my god they just planted all these seeds here in this goofy adventure episode even the B plot does yeah. even the dumb B plot does a lot of heavy lifting right but yeah the focus on the goatee it's a dumb cosmetic thing but I mean we all know that like for some reason from this point on Cisco becomes a different character yeah he's got the goatee he doesn't have the shaved head yet but he within the next Four episodes, he gets the shaved head. And then from then on, you know, he's Sam Jackson before. I mean, Sam Jackson. Before Sam Jackson didn't look this cool back then. Like, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I guess this was during Pulp Fiction era. This was exactly when Pulp Fiction was getting big. But, so he um, didn't have a shaved head. Yeah, exactly. He had the jerry curl. <laughs> but this sort of that cool look was established by, I mean, I, it was a first established by Avery Brooks in Spencer for Hire. Or Hawk. Or, yeah. Uh, Hawk, yeah, he was as Hawk in Spencer for Hire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, taken into this extreme. So, but but I think that it is it is sort of like a Cisco Strutton episode. Oh, totally. And <laughs> it's Cisco, it's Avery Brooks being Avery Brooks. Like yeah. wait a minute. That Avery Brooks Wait a minute. You don't think this was a pretty subtle what? I didn't see many of your I saw so the first act was all I don't man. Uh, the fir- I, I don't I don't know about I'm with you on this. I, the I think first act was like a PBS educational show. Are you kidding me? The, whenever his reactions to it, like in his no like the to- hey I think he's great. I think he's wait, great. Wait wait in wait, the wait 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 hold third. on. I think well, maybe we're all misunderstanding anyway. Hugh is assuming that you're referring to the goofy mannerisms that Avery Brooks has had before. Yeah. Which he didn't seem to do in this yeah, episode. Like, he did in the beginning. Are you talking? Oh my God. I might just. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> the first part of this, the first act to me felt like a Mr. Wizard, where they're just talking about. It He's felt like just a, an enthusiastic dad. I don't understand your. It's like ghost. No, like they're talking, they're throwing out all this educational backstory exposition. They do it's have like heavy a, lifting to do. It's to like get they're story doing there. heavy li- I'm, not, I'm not even saying that it's a bad thing. I still love the episode. But at the beginning, they're just like. Oh well, you know the Bajorans did this, blah blah, and it felt like Ghost Rider or some like PBS show with kid detectives where they're just like, well, you know, this is something that the ancient Bajorans did, like they're. Well, like, and you know what? The thing is, is that I'm sure that if it was any other actor doing that, my eyes would start to get heavy, and I would probably start to doze off. Yeah, and then Avery Brooks was doing his the same stuff that I criticized. I don't want to call it criticism because I I kind of love it. Yeah. But it's, Okay. But it's it's not it's kind of I, I goofy. His performance but I see I don't think I like that it's I think got a goofy, I, I gotta like, say, well hold on, hold on. I gotta say that I think up until this point I thought I knew what you were talking about. Up until this episode. But I don't think he did I that at all yeah, in this I, episode. Well okay, like I took notes for this shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> So says so like so you're saying that the Bajorans did blah blah and it, it, like it just like it's laying out like, Oh, here's a fact. Did you know? I mean it's it's again it's it's not bad. It's almost like a PBS right, educational I, kid show I'm talking about with adventure character. in That's it. That's like bullshit he had to do. And then like when Jadzia comes in, it's like a full Mr. Wizard when Mr. Wizard. Okay. Okay. I'm Okay. I'm dating myself here. <laughs> Kids today, millennials don't know what the fuck I'm talking about with Mr. Wizard. Was this, and people our age that didn't have cable don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And that aren't Canadian don't know what I'm talking about because it was a Canadian show that Nickelodeon bought and it aired on. Mr. Wizard Nickel- was Canadian? Yeah, yeah. So it's, you can't do that on television. I knew that because Alanis Morrison. Right, right. Mr. Wizard? Mr. Wizard, yeah. But every time he comes in where he's like, oh, hello, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a point where Jadzia comes into the, the set. The design of this episode was fucking amazing, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. just like, even, and the sartorial choices, the clothing design, like, should have gotten an Emmy as far as I could. For like, the weird kind of futuristic samurai clothes. It's, the Cisco's wardrobe is awesome. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I'll talk about the set but he's, he's like working, he's on working on science, and Jadzia comes in, and he's like, oh, Hello, Jadzia. Hi! Oh, hello, Jadzia. <laughs> I brought you something to it eat. It just felt very, I don't know, educational TV doing adventure shows for kids. Uh, see, I almost, <laughs> I was going to make the point until you made this point. I was going to make the point that he did minimal of that because I felt like the goat tree was like, like a protection for him. Like he felt like he was, rep- like he felt more comfortable. 
And so he felt like he didn't need to punch up the script. That he and and also the script is great. I mean, it's not just him too. It's like with O'Brien and Kira coming in, like it, when he's in the cargo bay building stuff, and then uh, O'Brien comes in and is like, "Oh, so what do you need a saber saw for?" It's like, "Oh, I want to build uh, this like the Bajorans did without a laser cutter or whatever. They're making a spaceship out of wood. Okay, um, they must have had fancy trees in Bajor, whatever." <laughs> and then. O'Brien, I don't know. O'Brien and Kira's kind of back and forth like, this isn't going to work, and I don't think this is legit. And then Kira gets offended because O'Brien's attacking the uh, sanctity or the uh, honor of Bajor. It's like, why would you say that? You sound like a Cardassian. And, <laughs> well, that was just some st- good Star Trek. Yeah, all of that. Like, oh, yeah, well, that, you sound like a Romulan because take, they take credit for anything. The that, Romulans take credit for everything. Yeah. Well, for the record, I don't take any <laughs> exception to any of Avery Brooks's choices in this episode. That's like the least of my yeah, words. I know. You never do. I don't. I think they're fantastic. <laughs> I think they're fucking delightful, Wade. I think they're fucking delightful. <laughs> I do, too. I'm just saying it's a thing. I, I normally see what you're talking about and love it, and not and I'm not critical of it, but I didn't see I actually it. Thought, I saw, like, a lot of patient, heart-heavy, like, pauses. And, yeah. Like, I, I thought he was making some deliberate choices in a different direction, and I thought that was fascinating. Even when— uh, Well, I mean, this is a first act. Pro- like, by the second and third acts of this, I agree totally. Like, right. it's— great but it's when they're laying out the exposition they're laying it out pretty but he thick. didn't do that he did he's having to sell some shit there he's having to sell <laughs> you know what i mean he's gonna i guess i mean he sold it he sold, he sold, he it. sold I mean, it it wasn't his idea to put all that exposition at it was a heavy it was a hard sell that's oh, what i'm saying I, I thought it was all right i mean it's just the laying out the nuts and bolts of the episode yeah i mean and it was fun I mean, it's him having fun with the hard sell. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it was. Okay. I don't know. Okay. It felt like Voyage of the Mimi or what something. What do you guys. Wh- Which I never saw, but I know it's a PBS show that Ben Affleck was. What are we missing with the A plot? Do we need to get to the B plot at all? Well, I was going to say that just from reading on Memory Alpha, the different writers talk about it. You know that they all loved this episode because they all wanted to take credit for it. Oh, <laughs> is that right? Um, yeah. Okay. So everybody's tripping over their feet to take. It's like success. To split. You know, and then. The, yes. The, it has, As a thousand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Success has a thousand fathers. Right. But failure is an orphan. Right. <laughs> okay. So the story was originally pitched by Hillary Botter, who this may be the last thing she pitched for Star Trek at all before she went to work for Paul Dini and his animated stuff. And then, uh, unfortunately, sadly enough, died in 2002 because I was trying to figure out what else has she been up to. Oh, huh. well, that's too bad. Sadly enough. Yeah. She died of breast cancer. So. Uh. Um, she was pitched it as an O'Brien story because every story has to start off as an O'Brien story. <laughs> sure, because he's the best character, <laughs> right, Hugh? Oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> so it started oh, off as an oh, O'Brien. Yes, we will. Which is I, which is why, like, tonally, like you know, you don't think of Cisco as an engineer, and, oh, and right. so and so the the, the buildery stuff in the first couple of acts it seems kind of weird. But that's why they did that, and then everybody takes credit for changing it. Renee Echevarria, who actually wrote the script, says he changed it to Cisco. Ronald D. Moore said that he wrote a long series of notes that said change it to Cisco hmm. and, and all of that. And I receive a bear. I receive a bear, of course, to credit for it. I receive a bear. Well, obviously, he's executive producer, but also that he particularly midwifed the drunken singing scene. Hugh. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> And that he feels you, that that is a... Pro- you love Cisco, but, oh, man, that scene was so great. Okay, we're, we're going to unpack everything about drunken, drunken Bashir and, and O'Brien. Yeah, but, 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 we'll, but, we have it, like, I wanted to start from the beginning of the B-plot. We're so talking about everybody, the everybody, every major writer in the writer's room of this season took credit in some way for this episode. So I think that is uh, to its virtue. I think that that shows what they all thought of it. Yeah. Even Ronald, I mean, Ronald D. Moore saying that he wrote this note, like let Rene Echevarria wrote the script. Let him take credit for it. Ronald D. Moore had to say, well, I wrote in my own suggestions and it involved like, you know, basically all the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And that it was sort of piggybacked off of the life support opening of relationships to Bajor and in between oh, Bajor yeah, and Cardassia. Yeah. There's a lot of life support. There's a lot of, well, including a, Lisa Turtle gets a mentioned in this. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that that's basically all I have to say. I mean, it was a, it, it's one of those things, like we said last week, a good story doesn't need a lot of criticism. 
Right. Uh, okay, so I, I think I, I'm interested in, in all of, I think we all probably look at the B story a little differently. <laughs> Apparently. It's like Rashomon. Well, I just want to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all saw different things here. Oh, it was, it was so... Well, I mean, well, first off, we start, the cold open is pure B plot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We start off with another first. This is the first appearance of Faith Lita. Yeah. We don't see Rom anywhere in this episode at all. No. Wait, but that's that's all I'm saying about that. Say, no, I'm going to say a, a heavily insinuating a story of how Chase Masterson got on the show. Chase Masterson was cast by uh, the producer. Rick Berman, right? The producers of the show. <laughs> yes. Rick I was about Berman. To say, I know exactly why she was cast. To be, and if you know to be the, the stripper, Jake's stripper girl. Oh, really? Yeah, that makes sense, too. Mar- Marta? Yeah, Marta. Marta? Marta. Yeah. And then Avery Brooks, who directed that episode, got on set and goes, this girl's thirty. <laughs> like she ain't dating my son. This girl's thirty. So, like, <laughs> fine, we'll get a twenty-five-year-old. So he he fired her essentially, and then brought on the the younger-ish looking. I don't remember thinking she was that young looking, but the younger-ish woman they did cast. Right, and then yes. Yeah, so we already paid for a contract. We got to find an episode to put her on. Well, later. I think Rick Barman promised Jason. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I mean, that most definitely happened. I'm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just like I was like, okay. As soon as she's on, it's like she doesn't do a great job in that opening Uh, scene. I mean, but I mean, with what she's got, it's it's like not that Bashir does much better. Okay, okay. uh, Let's just let's just say this. Okay, so Chase Masterson is in the rest of the show. She is a fan favorite character. I like her, and not only that, but she as a person, as an actress, as a human being, seems like a really great kind of person. And she's still actively involved in Deep Space Ninery. Yeah. So it seems like there's a lot of love for Chase Masterson. Okay. I got love Wait, for I, I got, I'm going to go on record as being a part of that. I, oh, I, yeah. 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 Okay. And let's just admit it. She feels a certain type of thing that people like to see in yeah, the show. I, I, I have and to admit. That Rick Berman likes in his television. And, and, and I'm not saying that me and Rick Berman are always that different. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. That's a good thing. So, absolutely. Okay. I don't think we, so, we're all on the same page. Yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can We all- know what Chase Masterson is here to do. Right. And as social justice commentators, we can rightly say that, but sometimes... We can also acknowledge that all three of us are gross. Yes, <laughs> all of us are gross, all of us are gross. straight, cis, white men. Right, so. right. but but I mean, she's she's great. She brings a, a lot of I energy she's and, and... she's she's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of, she's a fun character. And there's nothing wrong <laughs> she, with... You know. Yes. She was hired to do one thing and she did that well. I think she ends up... I yeah. think she goes above and beyond as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and then they <laughs> <laughs> they kind of flipped the script on her a little bit, and then it works. Like yes, yeah, yeah. They did but, flip the script on it. They did a reversal, like they did with Nog. So yeah, but that hasn't happened yet. No, so right. we'll so just talk about Bashir. But as far as Bashir's concerned, I so she comes up and she's pulling like uh, Marilyn Monroe, like yes. Mr. President right. kind of. Mr. Okay. President. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a cough, and then and then he's like, oh, oh dear, <laughs> like just, oh dear. He almost says it like George Takei, mm-hmm. but uh, not at all like George Takei in a lot of ways. Well, um, <laughs> George Takei says oh my sometimes in the same way that Bashir was meant to have said that in this episode. <laughs> and then it's like a gross kind of like, well, hmm, let me go. Maybe I'm getting the cough too. Can let me let's get some. I'm my diagnosis is some. It's a Finalian toddy. But and then. Jadzia c- comes up. Great visual joke. Like, Great visual joke. What he writes on the little notepad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a fucking gif right there. If it's not, I'm, well, I'm going to make one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a great, that is a great visual thing. That, and, yeah, and, like, oh, I've got, I've got those reports for you. Like, uh, oh, okay. And it just says, go away. Is that the first visual joke that they've like <laughs> right? that they've done on this show that's effective maybe uh that's got to be the first that's got it has to be the first sight gag yeah like in in deep space right? nine like period yeah like they have jokes but they're usually like wry poorly delivered verbal no, jokes that was that was a hundred percent sight yeah gag. yeah like, you could have that on mute and you could still like get the joke <laughs> right. yeah yeah that that's great stuff that, 
Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, you know, the Lexington's coming in. And he's like, oh, well, 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 what? And then he's not as concerned about Chase Masterson for a while. Because this is a John Hughes movie. He's oh. the nerd in high school that had a crush on this girl, so, but never did anything about it. Okay, so like, it. let me sum up. and like, Let me say. But it also goes okay, back. Like, this, the plot of this episode is that Bashir would rather would rather miss out on unlocking a clearly, or trying to fuck, or possibly fucking, a clearly attractive woman in front of him to sort of like, to soothe his ego by chasing after a professional rival. No. In his past, it's, it's his it's his high school. It's the crush he had on the it, crush. Right? The it's crush, the girl he had a crush you, on, and from high it, school. I've never heard a crush me talked about so much in terms of professional rivalry, though. It's not That's professional rivalry, though. I understand it's not, but if you if you took up like a bar graph of how much of his dialogue was about their professional rivalry and how much of it was about crush. The bar for professional rivalry would be higher. Yeah, because it's subtext. I mean, I don't even know if I agree with that. There's so much like oh, O'Brien. Fine, I'll graph it tomorrow. Because <laughs> <laughs> we already know that he, from his um, Legion episode that we had a couple weeks ago, that he threw that anyways. It's not a real, the rivalry, it's like he had a crush his on this. Legion episode. Yeah, that was, by the way, that was clever. Oh, very nice. <laughs> But, like, he had a crush on this girl. He never talked to her. He threw the exam to give uh, her valedictorian. Oh, Jesus Christ. We got to unpack this. Okay, why is your, yeah. why are, why are you so in, uninterested it's in It's so uninteresting, period. There's nothing about any of this shit. Like, Do you not like John Hughes movies? Or am I the only one that I don't see the John that? Hughes connection. I don't connection. see the John Hughes connection at all. It's all about school. And they spend this time in the lunchroom talking about the crushes they have. <laughs> and then, like, it's him and O'Brien are, like, the the two buddies. And then O'Brien is, like, his booger. Or- I, I admit that it, it, is, it is very young. It is a very young plot. I don't get it. I don't get it at all, tonally. And I think that, like, I think I don't. Bo- it doesn't bother me. Like, I think it bothers Hugh because I think, Hugh, you want to relate to... Bashir and Bashir is uh, gross, so you can't relate to Bashir, and so that frustrates. Or you. I just if I can't relate to a character, I just want to see them in a good story. Well, I, it also I, goes back to a long line of Star Trek creeps, yeah, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> of having crushes on women that they've never talked to. Oh yeah, and idealizing. We're looking at you, Jordy LaForge. Jordy LaForge. Right. <laughs> But at least this one he was in school with and had a crush on for whatever. And Scotty. Did Scotty want to fuck a girl that was better than him at the warp core? Enterprise. Warp warp core. Enterprise. What? The ship ship itself. Oh, the ship itself. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But did did the ship spurn him? Uh, No. But no. uh, Yeah, sorry. Dumb joke. (laughs) Scotty has the type, it seems like the type that would have had a crush on a red-haired girl or something. Some sort of like ginger lass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, like, this whole episode, that whole plot... And, and then, then we get I look the f- at it as being grossed out by Bashir, but I kind of I kind of relate to it through O'Brien's presence in the storyline. And so I, I look at it because Brian, O'Brien doesn't get it either, but O'Brien, O'Brien hasn't, doesn't have anything better to do as we, the entire season has proven, so... Oh, man, I, I don't know. I disagree. I think O'Brien gets it. It's like, oh, my friend's got a crush. Like, I think he actually O'Brien Julian says, the- I don't get it, a few times. Yeah. Like, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. He actually expresses his exasperation at him, like, why do you care so much? I don't. Well, no, this whole episode is like everybody's up in Bashir's business. They know exactly what's going on with him. For some reason, they know all about Elizabeth Lynn's because like Dax comes in is like, oh, the Lexington's coming in. Ha ha ha. And then Quirk, Quirk says something about it. Oh, me and me and me and Morn have a bet going that you're just going to like wimp out and walk away without talking to her. I say that you're going to like go to another location. And then Odo comes up at one point. It's like, hey, just letting you know that the uh, we all know and that the uh, Lexington disported. It's like, what? What? I don't know. It's like high school gossip. Everybody knows. And then 
It's him and O'Brien are hanging out and just talking about the girl that he's got. This is what we did in high school, James. <laughs> no, 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 no. I not. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is. It's definitely high school. Yeah, but you could be watching Saved by the Bell if you wanted all this shit. Wait, <laughs> I was. It, 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 that's what I'm saying. Time. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't watch Star Trek to see if like Zach is gonna meet so and so and talk about the. Well, this is John Hughes movie is better than Saved by the Bell. This is Bell. not a John Hughes movie like type level of characterization. <laughs> writing acting anything i mean it's none of that okay it's not i'm gonna it, say problems I'm, are interesting or relatable i'm gonna go out on a limb They're and say bore. he's a narcissist who why do you assume that she blew you off why do you assume that this person you've never met face okay. to face even knows you okay but that's because all but that's all, hold on hold on hold on that's all part of the joy of it Where's is that all of that stuff jo- the joy because she was valedictorian and he was salutatory and they should well, but, know each other they but it makes him look ridiculous that he harbors these things yeah then why am i seeing a, a ridiculous person who could have gotten laid like 25 minutes ago <laughs> this is just ridiculous it's just ridiculous it's just he's hung up on his old but like, it's all in his mind he's just a fucking narcissist I, I think you're i mean that but i think that you're supposed to be enjoying that about him there's no story to it. He's not. It's not like he's. Here's the fundamental thing. It's not as quite as bad as like Jordy's weird thing about an engineer. He never even was in the same star code. No, with. no. But I'm not on a Jordy podcast, so I don't have to defend him. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's like a girl he had a crush on in high school that he never did Listen, anything about. That's something relatable about to that. Whether or not you do well, or you not. Know, well. I mean, Bill O'Reilly's gross, but he's not as gross as Roger Ailes. <laughs> Let, I, mean, hey, who, I mean, you're not going to... Let's. I'm going to go... Bashir has never come on to somebody about creepy loofahs or insisted that they have sex with them that we've seen on screen. <laughs> right. He's a class act compared to that. Saying you're comp- by comparing one damaged person to another doesn't make one person less damaged, I guess is what I'm saying. We're all damaged people. Here's the thing. Let's look at the history real quick with ship's doctors, okay? You've got Bones, who was an emotional voice of reason that was a counterbalance to the cold logic of Spock, and both had equally had the ear of their captain. You have Beverly Crusher, who is a widow, and she has to work for the man who essentially killed, got her, her husband killed and has to raise her young son alone, who wants to be all up in the captain's business, and the captain hates kids. Then you've got Bashir, whose whole characterization is summed up in one drunken explanation. You either hate him or you love him. There's no in between. So which (laughs) one is better? (laughs) Where do you land you? My my point is, (laughs) my point is that that does not necessarily make for an interesting supporting character on a Star Trek TV show. Uh, I think perhaps it does. If you're a person that falls to the opposite end of the love hate spectrum, than you are, I think that just, I think, that's the crux of it right there. There's nothing interesting about it's this pretty cl- story. It it's, was boring. No, the the crux is the crux is that it's it's pretty obvious where you fall on do you love Bashir or do but, you hate it, him? It, but <laughs> there's no stories that come out of that. There's no stories that come out of that characterization. You have to admit that some people love him and most people actually love this episode and this scene. That drunken scene is pretty popular. That's because it's they're drunk. I mean, who does it love? I mean, yeah. but they're not even. Uh, it's a great scene. Does it make it sound like I, this is the only time I'm going to be able to throw this trivia in? Colmini and Alexander Siddiq fought for the song that they're singing to be Rocket Man, <laughs> and they rejected it because the rights would be too much money. And I think that I would love the scene much more if they were actually singing Rocket Man. I mean, that would have been great, but I like this song too. <laughs> there are two things wrong with this. Number one, Sadiq cannot act drunk. I agree with you on this. He's never a convincing drunk. And not only that, but O'Brien is lapping him all over the place by actually adding. I noticed I commented on this to my wife. Sadiq, every line he's saying, he's focusing on saying the line drunkenly. Where Meanie is like eating things. Like he's doing like next level <laughs> shit. Yes. Like while also yes. being. And, and I don't, you know, the second- it's easy to make the stereotype that an Irishman is going to act drunk. But no, but like, I mean, he's acting pinpoint drunk. Yes. And he's eating and flopping I, I, around. You can see a little bit of it on each of them. No, I don't, the second thing is that I Meanie's, hate that though, this has come become another. Meanie's accent should have gotten thicker and harder to understand if he was going to be drunk. That would have been, that would have been more fun. You're right. I don't want every Bashir episode to be a... Well, then have the Bashir episode stop sucking. They have. (laughs) 
They're never going to stop sucking for you, Hugh. We've already we've covered wait, that in wait, season wait. one Hugh's of this come, podcast. Hugh's come around on O'Brien. I was saying that I think that there is no. I think I, I think what I like is Comini's charm and technical skill. O'Brien on paper is just like a guy with his sleeves worked up. Colmini breathes life into the character. Like the stuff that you're mentioning with this scene <laughs> is a good example of that. I even like Bashir in the scene. It's everybody having a good, I mean, it's as transparent as the early Cisco scenes. They're having fun. No, it's uh, you know what I like? I like the Bashir Garrick stuff. I think that stuff is actually like borderline electric. I, I think that's good stuff. Like, I think there's a palpable chemistry between those two. And you re- you legit hate the, I don't hate you, people love or hate you, I don't hate you anymore. I, I just don't think, and, um, and the pantheon of Star Trek characterization, it's not very interesting. This guy's a brash asshole is not, like, one of my... He's, he's, yeah, but he's not, you're making him sound like he's, like, what, Cap Brannigan, what's his name? Zap Brannigan. He's not, yeah, exactly. You're making him sound like he's Zap Brannigan. He's not played by Craig Kilborn, you know? He's not. He's, he's pathetic. That's exactly what, that's the thing is, is that they, but I, I think that you think had so many missteps with him as a character. I think that you think that they don't want him to seem pathetic. And I think that they maybe kind of do. Yeah. You think that he's trying to be a Craig Kilborn character this whole time where they're, I feel like they're, I think they're making fun of him. Yeah. I think that this plot is making fun oh, of well, him. That's cool. I'd like, I'd like to watch Star Trek characters that need to be taken down a notch. That's cool. <laughs> oh, good. I hope that hope discovery has a few assholes that get taken down. And watch and I get to watch it week in and week it's, out. It's not taking, it's not look at this asshole. It's like, hey, this guy's a nice guy, but he's. he's you know what? Yeah, maybe I on paper, like I said with Colmini, maybe on paper, you're right about all this stuff, but Sadig's <laughs> acting. Isn't helping the Bashir case out any? any Look, we, I don't we don't need to do make every episode with Bashir. And I'm not. He's thinking like about a the roundabout phone. about his acting. He's thinking about the phone calls we're going to get. Yeah. Well, I just like it. Just gets tiresome for me. <laughs> yeah. No. I, right. I. 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 But I. I do think that I think that this met a weird head with you. Because I think that it isn't as offensive as some of the other stuff, but I hate being this, like I hate I hate being the wishy washy middle on anything. But I feel like I'm the wishy washy middle here. Sadig is Sadig is hard to take. They could have got a better guy. I'm sorry, but they could have to play this role. I'm not totally against a role of like you're more militant against personal flaws than I am, Hugh. Oh, I could be personal faults. Are fine as long as they they there's lots of flaws and personal flaws in all the characters that I find interesting. But in the context of the story, but there's a certain type of entitled personal flaw that I don't I don't think that you even like to watch being narrated or brought up. And I think that and okay, I, like it I seems that even if I wouldn't like it if it if it was a great story. I mean, like like I didn't like any of the two characters in the first season of True Detective and their personal flaws, but I watched the shit out of that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's this not, ain't true, Detective. I'll give you that. I was like, come on, but it's no. 1995, man. There's no nothing was true, Detective. Uh, but, right now, but I get, I get your point. I get your point. Is that anybody, anything can be interesting yes. if the plot if is compelling. The story is good, and they've the writers have just done one disservice to what they're trying to do with Bashir after a night. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just don't think they've set up. They is there possible where Dax too? I feel like they. I thought she was great in this episode. Oh, Let me just Dax get that out great, there. But I, wait, Dax is in this. Dax is in this episode. You're right. She's in like she's good in this. Episode. She's, I mean, she's not blowing anybody away, but her scene. She's not. She, she's good in I all her scenes. Like, okay. I feel sure. like here are the characters disagree. that I feel that have been done a disservice to at this point in the series of the show. And later, yes, it, it gets rectified. Number one is Dax. Number two yeah. is Bashir, because they've gone so many fucking different fucking directions mm-hmm. and failed at almost all of them. Yeah. And number three, I feel like Kira has not been served in the best light. I agree with that. Even especially this season, yes, I agree. She started off strong. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I'm not saying she's, yeah. no, not visitors fine. They just haven't, they can't do everything in this. Well, they can. They just chosen to focus on dumb right, shit. Right, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they get distracted by dumb shit. So, so yeah. Yeah. Second Skin was probably about the best she's been done this season, I feel like. And that's at the beginning. And that was a while ago. Yeah. That was like episode four or something. Yeah. So the rest of it was the holodeck up. Yeah. You're right. She's been dropped to the, and too much O'Brien, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still doing way too many O'Brien there, stuff. There's shows. a lot of O'Brien. 
Well, no, he's O'Brien was the only thing keeping us afloat in the middle of this season when it got bad. Well, I think it got bad because they kept focusing on O'Brien. I, like, I, I think, I'd say they it got bad because they were doing fucking Midsummer Night's Dream. Yes, and yes, Bex there was a lot falls of, in love and a lot of Shangri- dumb, You know, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of dumb episodes going on. Do here. It, uh, hey, um, can, I, but, can I ask you guys some nuts and bolts stuff about this? Sure. The Bajorans and their history. And, oh yeah, like some actual like Bajoran lore. Yeah, the ship itself. This was, I mean, I try not to think too hard about about how it actually works. All right, so we're going to, are we done with the B-plot? We can get off of Bashir? Yeah. Because I just got off his mind. Garrick uh, wants to get on. <laughs> I'm just going to say, callers, that, that drunk scene was awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I, the callers, that was painful to watch, and it could have been done a lot better. Callers, that Bashir seat had some pluses in my <laughs> It's we finally oh had God, a fun hate, episode. What the fuck? I'm Why like can't the, we have fun, people? I'm on Come the verge on. of becoming a personal communist here, and I'm like taking the middle road on this bullshit scene. <laughs> okay, I, so anyway, okay, so the thing with the Bajoran ancient ship, yes, it just seems to me that it was all like gears and love, like very steampunk, right, guys? The, right. They invented that. This is I don't want to say this is the start of steampunk because that's dumb. And some guy's got to write me like a 47 page email. But yes, I think that they didn't know this was supposed to look like Jules Verne is what they said is they wanted it to look Victorian with lots of copper and lots of pipes and stuff like that. And that's what we tend to associate with steampunk today. So yeah. Yeah. Steampunk in the modern literary sense was just getting started in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the adding machine. What is it? Something machine. Yeah, there's several. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a little disappointed that neither Cisco or Jake wore top hats and goggles. <laughs> you didn't want to talk with goggles on them. <laughs> yeah, they replaced all the techno babble with sailing babble, uh, which is amazing. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I could give me sailing. I used to go sailing with my parents. That feels like the whitest thing I've ever oh, said. Yeah, I've got, I forgot how <laughs> I forgot how right you were. <laughs> I just quote Sloop John B. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with my mom and my stepdad, we had a sailboat. And <laughs> which I was they, I, yeah, I, I never saw. <laughs> that's right. That's why we got to hang out at my house with nobody there on oh, the weekends. Yeah, yeah. They were always at the sailboat <laughs> and we were always drinking in their house. But anyway, yeah. um Yeah, nope. that's and, and that's the most it sounds like Dawson's Creek. It was not like that at all. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but none of, yeah, so like sailing, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of all like nineteenth century maritime. Things. Yeah. It's, I've read Contiki the book. <laughs> I'm a big fan of all that kind of shit, and so I love. And I'm not a big fan of all the time techno pebble. So I I loved the supplementary of that. I loved the. I mean, it's, it's neither here nor there, but I love the like the little scenes where he's talking about how there's no hum of the engines. It's just the hum, you know. And that they're oh, yeah, like, yeah. I loved all that shit. So like, all that shit's great. Renee Shavaria, take a bow on that. I don't know what you're doing in Hollywood now, but. You, you did good here. The design of the ship was cool. And, I you know, yeah. seeing them actually use the sails and stuff. I mean, it was... Yeah, yeah. They, they threw, like, they take a nod to, like, oh, well, you know, I get seasick, I get space sick in zero G, so I put a gravity net down. Just nerd corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why we're not floating. But they... <laughs> yeah, like, that was that was great because, like, we don't want to film them in zero G. <laughs> right. So. Oh, but I, the, another first... We have Lita first. We got the first shot of the goatee. We have the, is this the first bathroom in Star Trek? Oh, <laughs> maybe. Because Jake is like, oh, is this the bathroom? Somebody's got to drop a deuce in zero G. Yeah, like, how do I take a shit in here, Dad? Like, it's built for zero G. Like, oh, you'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you'll figure it out. He goes, uh, what does he say? Uh, well, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was lots of those, like, that's what I love. That's what I always been wanting in these shows when I talk about that they don't answer these things, is that these shows don't have little moments. Moments. Right. Like there's a lot of pontificating. There's a lot of bullshit dialogue, but there's not a lot of like, I got <laughs> to like go take hammock a hammock sh- time. And there's not a lot of like, how do I lay that's, in a hammock? How do I take a shit? Like if there were, if you had the scene, if there was an episode with an, and God, God help me. We didn't want more robot Pope. But if the, there was a robot Pope Kira episode where they go sailing and they had to talk about taking a piss and filling a hammock out and like, hey, look, look at the stars. And like if they had that kind of slow paced episode, that'd be great. Yeah. 
That'd be really great. It's you a good can, thing they, they decided to, to rebuild an ancient ship of a civilization that had their butthole in the same place as a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think that probably if, if, if it was too non-humanoid, Avery Brooks would have called them. <laughs> Avery Brooks would have right. like not built that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, yeah. And I don't I don't know how hammocks work in zero G, but I guess the the original ones were had zippers on them or, or something. girth but, straps. <laughs> right. But I just like that he says hammock time. It's like is that, oh, that a, was most is that a reference? A re- that was most definitely an anti hammock yeah. reference, wasn't wasn't I it? Thought, I, or, or I thought it was a too. it was a hybrid. It was MC Hammer and a mock time. It's a Star Trek reference. Oh my god. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Stop. Hammock time. Hammock time. (laughs) Oh, that's disgusting. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I thought that for a brief moment, it seemed like Cisco was questioning whether Jake was uh, a part of the Mach-E sympathizer. Yeah, that was a great part of the show, too. I I enjoyed that. I mean, that whole Jake saying, like, oh, I don't want to go. I'm waiting. Maybe Leanne will come back from Bajor. Like, what? Lisa Turtle's going to show up? No. Mm-hmm. But was he not even concerned about it at that? He was waiting for his letter from the Pennington School in Wellington, New Zealington. <laughs> Wellington, New Zealand. New Zealington. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in the future. Look it up, guys. <laughs> and this is the first where we learn that Jake's going to be a writer. Which, yes. Well, you, his girlfriend, pre-Lita girlfriend. Oh, right, was, right. Was said that yeah. he was a writer of romantic poem. that's true but and it, then yeah but cisco's like what i didn't know that yeah when he's learning about his son and then it comes out that he he got accepted to go to the, this fellowship to go to the pennington school in new zealand he doesn't want to go and cisco gives him a whole story like hey man i was homesick oh, that was a great story too God, yeah, yeah, yeah in san francisco a- i i went back to new orleans every day for the first six days jake's like that must have cost a lot of transporter credits which brings the whole economics question. Right, that we need to get the trade. <laughs> we need we need to get a guest for that to go into. Well, that. it was built into their. It was built into their pail grants, their space pail grants. Like, right, right. That used to have been a month of transporter credits, but turns out that he's not wanting to take a year because he's worried about being homesick. Though maybe he's worried about leaving his dad by himself. Because it, he hasn't had a date since that weird, creepy, oh, yeah, yeah, creepy, creepy, uh, creepy, fennel, creepy fennel episode. Yeah, yeah vagina, vagina. we get mentioned to Cassidy Yates. Yeah, oh yeah, yes, yeah. They don't say her by name, but yeah, that was the other She's first. A freighter I forgot. Captain and his, he's so snooty when it comes to freighter captain. Like, oh, freighter. well. First off, what, what, what? Wait a minute. First off, she's a freighter captain. She outranks him. But <laughs> it's true. Does he meet her before? Uh, no, no, she's not yeah. a freighter commander, but, is she? <laughs> Yeah, no, I I didn't. I forgot that. Which puts her in a running for one of my favorite Star Trek captains. (laughs) She's great. I mean, I yeah, yeah. she's better than Archer. I would say (laughs) she's just not part of the military. Cisco, Picard, Janeway, Kirk, Cassidy, Yates, Archer. Are we building up just super super fandom to like us do a an Enterprise podcast when we're done with this. I think we're heading, I think something's going to happen with Enterprise one way because or the other. Because I don't think, I don't think Archer is the worst. No. I, I still haven't, uh, I still haven't seen it. He's probably I'm, the worst captain, but I don't think he's a bad I, captain. I don't, I have, I, I have no frame of reference. We, I can talk about Poor Janeway, sure, but I don't want I, to. I'm hoping that I can put Jason Isaac at the bottom of the barrel, but <laughs> I have a feeling I'm being manipulated to do that. Um, anyway. What were we talking about so, before we got on to all of – before I derailed the podcast? Uh, with Archer. Uh, well, just first mention of, of this freighter captain. It bothers me, though, as a, as a deep fan of Cisco of the Cisco character – it bothers me that he doesn't find his own committed woman next relationship. Oh. Bo- that his boy has to go find one out of like central casting. It's, it's it's not that he can't, but it's just nice. It's it's a nice little thing that his son set it's, him up. Nobody's perfect. I, I agree with Wade on this. Like I I think it's like oh that's that's a nice story to tell. Like oh how did you well we're not getting into spoilers. How did you meet? Oh my my son set us up. It's a parent trap. Hey. <laughs> I know, I know, and I and I he don't want to. And I don't, That's great, except they're not twins. And I don't mean to idolize Cisco, but the idea that he's not sexually confident—it's a flaw. I don't. I mean, it's, I don't want him to be Bashir. I, mm, I don't want him to be Bashir. It's not anything. But I don't want him. There's to, nothing. About, he's he's totally sexually confident. He totally <laughs> fucked the shit out of Dax <laughs> he when he was in the, the crossover. Right. He fucked up the cast <laughs> two episodes ago. <laughs> he 
fucked Kira. He fucked Dax. <laughs> he fucked them all. <laughs> he's just like, he's, it's not confidence. It's like, he's got, he's like, man, I got respect for people and I'm not going to go over there without consent or anything. I'm not talking but about, I'm not hey, talking. If, I, if it's in, my job, I got to do when I'm undercover, I will James Bond this shit. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not talking about him being below right, but I'm talking about him like. I like how the mirror universe is just like a, this could be us, but you playing. A whole, that's all, that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys want to wrap it up with like your final thoughts on this episode? Well, yeah, we should. You should. But I, I'm sorry, I have to go back to Bashir. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's 1995. Did you catch where uh, he finally meets Elizabeth Lenz and she's like, oh, I thought you were Andorian and that's why she was ignoring him. But then she's like, oh, you're immunotherapy stuff. Did you catch that? Bashir's gonna find a cure for AIDS. I mean, no, I thought, like, I just. Holy I, shit, that's what that was? Yeah, did you find the T cell anomalies in your immuno. Oh, suppre- oh, oh, they were, yeah, they were your using. Immunotherapy project on Bajor. They were using, and the band played on terminology for their, uh, for their space techno babble. Fuck. Yes. It's 1995. Dude, I mean, I, Julian going to cure AIDS. And I was like, what? I mean, I mean, 1995 was the peak year of AIDS death. So, I mean, yes. I, I mean, you got to suck this shit up by osmosis. This stuff's got to come through in a writer's writing. But yeah, that, that sounds weird now. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Why can't they just say Andorian shingles or something, <laughs> something like that? They have, to, they have to say. Well, they want to use. Well, they didn't say AIDS. They just said immunotherapy and T cells. Right. Well, they want to use the. The biggest words that they can. <laughs> but T-cell anomalies, I mean... Yeah. I mean... All right, sorry. T-cells are a lot of things, but I mean, like, T-cells do more things than just, you know, like... I Did mean, you notice any other sort of weird stuff at the end that you wanted, guys wanted to talk about? They wrote hard on the tachyon stuff oh, to explain. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess that we should explain, like, the sort of the... I do think that I did enjoy the... Revisionist history aspect of it with Ducat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did enjoy that sort of, hey, we just found... Like, all of that stuff is so tongue-in-cheek politics. Yeah, yeah. Let me be the first to congratulate yeah, you. Yeah, what they used to call, I think, in the 80s, criminology. Like, the idea of, like, this sort of double speak of a Cold War... Where, hey, we just discovered this. Clearly, we've already known. We clearly, we knew about this beforehand. But now you forced our hands to admit it. So, and there's all this sort of politics and shading. and all that. Yeah. yeah, and all of that is really, really like a fun seasoning in the soup of this show. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I just, this this episode had a lot of but it. But the yeah. weird thing for me, the fireworks at the, the fireworks in space at the end. <laughs> okay, okay. That was a it little. Was like, was a, I'm like, yeah. is this a thing? Because. I never understood that this is a thing to be celebrated for the Cardassians. Yes. For the Card like the Cardassians have a weird, weird thing about this. I mean, I think you have an interest in all sort of geopolitical and I guess geoplanetary issues here. I think you have an interest in trying to hype the cultural heritage of your trade partners slash like i mean if we actually did find that chinese you know it's been hypothesized that chinese landed in california and in the 1490s well before any western influences did if we actually ever found that to be the truth we would have to hype it up wouldn't we no not now but like in at the turn of the the last century yes when we were building the railroads and stuff. Well, yeah, but I mean, we would, no, we would have to hype it now because it's not like we just discovered that there was really Chinese settlers here. Yeah, in yeah. California. Like, we'd have to make that a bigger deal. Yeah, yeah. Not just we would, you would think we'd want to just out of like, you know, our interest of history. But like right, right. with fireworks, that's an interesting question. So the, fire- <laughs> the fireworks, <laughs> the fireworks to me is a question. The, the fireworks, when I saw the fireworks, I was just imagining. Well, let me just say whenever <laughs> when, when Ducat actually got the information of the official government's position, they also sent the fireworks with it. Like, here's the fireworks and our official position on this fun discovery. <laughs> Give it to Cisco at the same time. First. First, give them the official position, then the fireworks. Not the fireworks, then the official <laughs> position. Don't fuck it up, Ducat. Here's both. And I guess that the, the hidden implication is that they knew that Cisco would find the Tachyon Eddie that brought them there. Right. Right? So they were all kind of just waiting there for it. it was a, like they knew. Yeah. Right. And I got the sense of like, after they announced that they found the crash site, Ducat's like throwing like, oh, I'm so, affi- I'm hurt that you think that I'm threatening you. 
but maybe that was like, oh, he's going to come zapping through this thing and crash land and die, and I don't want that to sure. happen. Sure. But, and also yeah. that they knew that this crash light was there for, like, probably 100 years. Oh, I yeah. Mean, like, for, yeah, forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, they discovered that when they built the Cardassian McDonald's over. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Volbergers. Though, when I saw the fireworks, this is 1990, I'm, in my head, I just imagined George Lucas watching this episode and saying, hey, oh. I like those fireworks. I think I'm going to add that to my special edition when I come out in 1998. <laughs> I like those fireworks. I'm, I'm going to add that to Star Wars, I think. Is George Lucas on the podcast with us right now? <laughs> okay, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to agree that the fireworks, and we were almost going to get out of this podcast without talking about these fireworks. <laughs> I, I think just, the fireworks I may just be the. No way to edit that on George Lucas in his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I was totally sidetracked by that. He's a, I didn't know he's, he's, <laughs> he's a trained actor here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> we got talent yeah, got on a, this podcast. Got a Bachelor of Fine um, Arts. Yeah. Well, you, I wish you did children's birthday parties as George Lucas. <laughs> Uh, uh, do you have a turtleneck? <laughs> yeah, like, should, but, Connor Ratliff, I'm coming at you. But all, you. all you do is you show up to the kids' parties as George Lucas, but all you, you insist on talking about is Dusty Kiki Airman. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, one time I was really hard sold when we were in college of me writing a, a screenplay about the making of, of Lucas and Coppola in the 70s mm-hmm. and me playing Coppola. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and Wade playing George. <laughs> oh. Hey man, I'm down. I'm, well, I'm down the clown when you get that finished. We'll, we'll... I'll work on that. I'll keep working on that. Uh, I was very big on that oh, for about man. five minutes. That was um, it, <laughs> okay. That uh, got do. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta wrap it up. Okay, it up, but I was, I'm, I'm willing to say I was separated from it. I'm willing to say that the fireworks and I love this episode. The fireworks may be the single dumbest thing in Deep Space Nine. Oh, they look kind of cheap. Oh. The other thing I wanted to, the CGI on the the ship is pretty good for 1995. Yeah, it's also it was a controversial decision to use the CGI for that. Yeah, it had to cost a lot. Like the most expensive to me, I felt like when they go under the station and they have the shadows go over it in 1995, that probably cost a yeah. billion dollars. Well, you know, when this script got the green light, some poor writer had to ball up his Odo script for later on and throw it directly into the trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing I thought when I saw the script. When I saw the ship, I was like, oh, my God, they built it out of Odo's. It's the same damn color. Which I postulated as a good idea. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> solar cells are people. They they made it out of Odo's. Do you guys, do we have, we don't have voicemails this week, is that correct? Um, We're just going to end the episode? We have Twiggies, don't we? Yeah. All right, well, can we, do you guys want to get into guessing what the stars are? Oh, yeah, yeah, are? I want to guess. Yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, you guys love this episode, both of you Oh, did. you're setting us up. Are you set, no, are I'm, you not, set, I'm not setting you up. I'm just saying, like, per preface. Like, you're trying to get us over eight no, so that you no, can no, bring, because no, no, no. the rating to, is I'm under seven. Oh, I already set mine when I was thinking about this episode earlier today. I was all like, right, all right, I got my number. I got it set. What is yours? 8.7. Oh, I like that number. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go under that. I'm going to go 8.5. This has got 656 reviews. <laughs> and it, it, it's it's like a, a 7.3. Um, Fuck you, people! <laughs> Fuck you, fans. This, Fuck you, fans. This, this, um, Plankton rules. Plankton rules and all your ilk. Can I read one one review to you real quick? You can read one okay. review. Uh, you can read several reviews. No, on I, this, is, this is the top review for this episode on IMDb. If you're you know listening to this but, and you want to go before see Before you it. get started, I want, I want to get to – you were totally setting us. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Maybe on a subconscious level. I wasn't I wasn't on a conscious level. It wasn't until you said that. And I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> okay. I bet all the reviews, though, the written ones, talk about how great that Bashir O'Brien scene is when they're drinking. Okay. <laughs> this is the first <laughs> review. Uh, it is a one-star review. It was written in November 11th. 2006 the title of the review is totally out of order this episode does not belong to any of the star trek series its script has way too many incoherences not only to any sci-fi logic 
to the entire Star Trek universe, to DS9 series, but even to itself. Those flaws are too many to describe, but I would suggest to those that pay too much attention in the series coherence to skip this episode in order to avoid getting frustrated. Oh, the only... The only thing I could say is that you would find interesting is the first appearance of Cisco with a goatee, which may stand for a turning of him to a more serious character for the rest of the series, like he wasn't a stiff already. Oh, my God. Uh, he also shows some interest in galactic archaeology and history, a futile attempt to come closer to the character of Picard, and Oof. the first unreasonably friendly gesture by the Cardassians toward him without any gain for them. Uh, so, yeah. So All right, people, that guy's wrong. They're... That, Cardassians are covering uh, in their asses. Okay, that guy's just dumb as wrong. They were covering their asses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, what's his name? I didn't. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm assuming that all internet reviewers that aren't Franklin Rules are Newt Gingrich. I'm sorry, Newt Gingrich, that you don't understand nuance. <laughs> but fuck you. This episode is yeah. great. Well, the, the other thing about the, your really hardcore nerd corner kind of guys, mm-hmm. the science of this, like... Probably drives people fucking crazy. What's the science of it? What's wrong? That tachyons... Tachyon eddies? That's in all of the fucking... That no, shit no. Is- the fact that tachyons could take them to warp speed, because warp isn't speed. You're bending space instead of acceleration through time. Well, it could you take can only it to travel light. as it, fast... It could, but tachyons, by their very nature, are something that... I mean, even in the... Right, in, right, in right. In true right. hypothesis, oh. tachyons are something... A hypothetical particle that travels further than the... Yes. Faster than the speed of yes. light to monitor and regulate the speed of light. Nerd corner. <laughs> All right, yes, you're totally <laughs> oh right. Oh, my God, guys. Plankton Rules hated this episode, gave it three stars. But if you were <laughs> to go beyond the speed of light, the tachyons would tear the ship apart. It would have no structural integrity at all. All right, nerd, nerd corner well, it was over. was really lightweight and made out of balls. It was made with Bajoran ingenuity. Oh, my God. And Seriously, wood. guys? <laughs> Seriously, guys? Okay. This is going to be the problems that bother you. And first off, can we... Can this we, is why it's got read, a 7.5. Before you read the Prompton Rules, can we just it. say that we... I'm just letting you know. We No, I, I, we're no, going to read it. It just says it's, the last word is very skippable. It just seems to be the consensus is that this isn't an important episode. Fuck everybody. Literally, <laughs> fuck everybody. There's some, good, there's some good reviews on IMDb, too. You should go look those up. But they're not as concise and as interesting as our conversation. I think that we should tell our fans that we actually found out who Plankton Rolls is. He is a man. Oh. Oh. We uh, we wouldn't do that on a... I don't want to do it ever. I say, like, let's let him be lost in the sands of time. Okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) We know who you are. So next week's episode is called Family Business. It's a Quark and Rom episode where they go to Ferenginar. Yeah. And by the way... uh, uh, Next week, uh, with this episode, Family Business, watch out for Hughes Boner. <laughs> because this is the first episode with Andrea Martin in Yes. It. Oh, is that Hughes Boner? I thought that was oh, my Oh, I'm boner. sorry. Wade's Boner. <laughs> <laughs> From season right. one, yeah. I got real overly excited sorry. talking about how great Andrea Martin is. I think that was my boner. Yeah, wait, I wait. Know. I think that may have been my boner. Wait, as a thing, whatever I have for Rhoda, he has for Andrea Martin. I hate she's <laughs> national treasure of Canada. So is Valerie Harper. So is Valerie Harper. I'm just saying that lady's got talent. That's all. That's my man. It's yes. Well, people either love you or hate you. Really? I mean, I hated you when we first met. All right. Well, this is a voicemail priority, blah, blah, blah segment. Uh, We went long today, so, well, we're just going to do a quick one and jump in and jump out. And, hey, there you go. All right. We have, you might be excited for this, we have something from Twiggy. Twiggy! Oh, Percival Vaughn (laughs) Twiggyson. yes. All right. Well, let's let's just listen to it. I won't say anything. Morning, guys. Just got my feedback for the episode of Improbable Cause. I just want to congratulate Wade on either finding a shitload of steroids to ingest or finally hitting puberty because you sound at about three octaves lower than normal and sound like a man. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> um, fuck it. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, uh, what if I talk like this? I'm always, I'm always self-conscious um, about my, uh, my high-pitched southern draw, especially when I get <laughs> drunk and excited but i'm i'm I'm, I'm gonna 
I'm going to talk like this from the rest of this. <laughs> how, about, how about every time I listen to the show, I, I'm convinced I have the worst voice of the three of us. And oh my god! I, no, you I, must. I, uh, as a person who edits, you you're, you you have yeah. you have the best voice. If, if we all talked like you, Hugh, who would make this show so much yeah. easier to. Your produce. voice is a permanent 75, no matter what the master volume <laughs> says. Like. <laughs> I don't understand how that works, but I'll take your word for yeah, it. Okay. I'm, okay. It's just that you're always nobody likes the sound of their own voice. Right, right. So exactly, exactly. That that's what the point is. I but guess. now we know that Twiggy doesn't like the sound. Of <laughs> yeah, <voice. laughs> fuck you, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I, you know what? That's so funny, Twiggy. That that his voicemails will all of a sudden start getting uh, lost in the. And the <laughs> yeah. G voice servers accidentally. Right. You think well, you haven't heard from Twig in a while now? You just just you wait. <laughs> don't don't don't. No, don't I, I would. I would. Twiggy, no. he's crazy. Yeah, okay. Maybe he's I, just was, noticed that that I'm. A, I sound more like a man. Maybe he liked me as a boy. Maybe. Saw <laughs> that Android gel you've been taking. <laughs> right. The, mm. Brian Cashman told you if you can't start hitting him over over two fifty, <laughs> you're not going to keep you. <laughs> I bet uh, that's a that's a that's a baseball reference. I bet Twiggy gets that. I yeah, yeah. that I don't. Brian, <laughs> Brian Cashman's the the main head honcho with the Yankees. So. Uh, okay, I was going with the team. You've probably ridden the subway with them. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah, I don't go out to the Bronx that much, but it's possible. <laughs> do we <laughs> do we want to give out the voicemail? Oh yeah, and the email before we sign off. Yes, yes, I can give you that voicemail. Give us a call at. 917-408-3898 or email us at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter at acquisitionpod do all the other things that all the other mm-hmm. podcasts tell you to do rate us and subscribe and blah 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 alright we getting out all of here right. yeah, thanks we again for listening <laughs> we'll see you next week three to beam out beep do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.